take a look at some election reflection. We are also going to have six in the mix trivia, which is also going to have an election focus. Calling your shot, I think, is going to focus on uh, NFL and who's going to be the last team standing. Got the feel-good story of the week by Ben, and then Jeremy's going to be sharing his testimony in Fix Your Eyes. So for election reflection, I'm going to turn it over to Don. All right, gentlemen, so we've come to our first weekend. We made it to the first weekend after the 2020 election. I am still in the bunker, and I just barely made it out just to pop my head out and saw that everything was uh, still in its proper alignment. Traffic was handled, being handled as normal. I was able to go in and out of the store without any issues. I have, I don't think there have been any riots in Minneapolis. Of course, I haven't been uh, kind of in the bunker, so it's been kind of hard to tell. But although the media, from what I've understood, is the media has called the election, but technically it still isn't over. Uh, the certification of the election results has, has different deadlines by state, as I've learned. Uh, I just checked. I think the latest state certification that needs to be entered is on December 11th, who is uh, California. And, of course, this is all pending recounts and all that good stuff. So the litigation of the election results is going to make everybody's head spin, I'm sure. To state the obvious, it'll depend on the evidence that President Trump has as far as the ballot tampering, as he will no doubt, uh, as he'll no doubt uh, allege. Um, as my wife and I watched, and most of the time we watched from a distance, the election results in the days that followed, we were, we were honestly we were sick to our stomachs a little bit at times. And it wasn't because Trump was appearing day after day to be a losing ground, but because the way in which we saw our democracy being illegitimatized, Ill- illegitimatized, censorship and media bias was at the forefront. Now, we've lived through numerous elections where the guy we voted for didn't. And we are not by any means surprised that the Republican lost the presidential election. What we are very concerned about is about the path and direction this country is going down. Now, I remember when Obama won the 2008 election. And for the first time, I remember seriously talking and researching socialism. For the most part, we could all agree that Barack Obama was not a socialist by name. And I recall talking to an in-law who was very outspoken, uh, uh, an outspoken Democrat. And he balked at the very supposition that he was even close to being a socialist. But I remember saying at the time, he may not be a socialist, but we are another step closer to socialism. 
we were just talking again today, Jenna and I were, about the current status of the election. We both agreed it was obvious that something just doesn't seem right. Like I said earlier, we have lived through de Democratic nominees before, but this election, there has been a shift. We all recognized this shift well before the election and knew that there were tumultuous days ahead of us, regardless of who won the election. And we've become cynical to the media, even to the right-wing media, if there is such a thing anymore. I mean, we are tired and hearing all about what is wrong with our politicians, with not any follow-through to hold them accountable. The crimes. Yeah, I said the crimes. They are allowed to get away with is unprecedented. Whether it be back in when Hillary Clinton's with the email servers or being the author of the Russian hoax, even under the Obama-Biden administration. We saw Obama, Obama weaponize the different branches of government and the chilling effects that is having even to this day. And now the latest, it was the Biden bombshell from just last week. That, that just seems like a tiny speck in the mirror now. Do we really believe that if any ballot, ballot tampering is found or discovered, anything is really going to be done about it? I mean, Trump being the obvious wild card of this whole deal could have the final say, but if history is any example, the company line will continue on. Nothing to see here. Just keep moving along. Now, the Bible speaks to how all Christians will face persecution. And as Jen and I, we are equipping ourselves with biblical truths and seeking the peace that passes all understanding. We're also trying to come alongside our children to make sure they understand what is at stake. Now, we still want them to let them know that you know we want them to grow up still being kids. We still want them to get you know, if we're not bogging them down with, with all that's happening. But they are affected by politics and governance far more than we have ever had to be or ever were at that age, whether they know it or not. I mean, they're mortified at having to begin full distance learning at school this week, despite not one COVID case being diagnosed at our school. We're going full distance learning. And we're witnessing unimaginable events taking place every day in this country, whether, we, whether it be from the censorship by Twitter or Facebook to the obvious ignoring of corruption and truth. And let me say this. If you want to know who to listen to, look no further than those who they are censoring. Like I mentioned a few podcasts ago, it doesn't matter who is elected president. The agenda has been finalized and handed out. It's up to us, we the people, to defend the Ten Amendments in the Bill of Rights. And I challenge you guys to print off those Ten Amendments. Post them in your office, put them on your fridge. I don't care. Tattoo them across your chest because I do believe we are on a crash course with socialism. So having said all that, how have you guys and your families been taking the festivities for this week? And how has your faith particularly helped you out? I guess, Don, I'll speak up. And <clears throat> for Russ, uh, this, this week has been... Uh, extremely uh, educating in in many ways and i'm going to i'm going to just maybe take a step uh, forward in this whole thing because i it personally my my thought is okay if trump or my candidate loses the white house in the race then everything is over and i i kind of went into this catastrophizing sort of mentality as if everything is going to fall down, like the sky is going to fall. And I had a couple of moments to um, just really search my own heart, my own life. And then I felt God's call to, to say, okay, how are you going to direct your family? How are you going to lead them through this? And we watched the election, we watched the coverage and, and we've watched the news and we've, I've, I've given some uh, information to them and, and fed them, kind of tried to feed them both sides. We actually stopped watching 
maybe the more conservative views. And we actually started watching the other stuff because I wanted to know what was being said, what was being purported and, and announced and so forth. And it was weird. I got this kind of calm over my life. Like it was going to be okay. No, <laughs> this guy's not going to fall and we're going to be fine. So I made it a point to talk to my family and I said, number one, life is not going to drastically change tomorrow. Whatever, whatever we, we think is going to happen, it's not going to drastically change for, our, for uh, tomorrow. And the reason I know that is because being in ministry or being in, in just organizations, it is very difficult to turn a ship really quickly. And the largest ship of the, the world being America, the United States of America, uh, takes a long time to shift. Now, we've seen some of those shifts morally, educationally. We've seen those shift and they've been subtle, right? They're just little tiny components. So we're not going to get just jerked over and we're all going to go overboard as if that is going to be the end of our, our existence here as Americans. So number one, this isn't going to be life changing for me and my family and and I'm not I'm not existing like that. I'm not thinking like that. Number two, I ought not be negative, no matter what the case may be. This is a lesson I learned, interestingly enough, playing for four different head basketball coaches in as many years at Pillsbury. This is the lesson I learned. I never thought about it in this direction, but here it is. Whether you like it or not, there's going to be a new leader. There's going to be somebody to take over, somebody to take the leadership role. And you might not even agree with them or like their style or anything else about them. But one thing's for sure, head coaches change. And so do presidents. And so do leadership. There are some, some arguments that we've made, you know, term limits or not, you know, this guy's been in office for however long. And has he really done anything? What has he done? Well, he's done something. He's done something to stay elected. And there's some work for me to do there to really figure out what those things are. But I'm not going to be negative about it because that doesn't help the team. That doesn't help any American. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help my family. The third thing I really need to remember is that I cannot be fearful and I cannot show fear, partly because I'm an American, right? We don't, we don't show fear. We stand up to the face of, in face of those fears and we battle through as Americans. Okay. And as a believer, I'm given the fact that I have eternal hope. So whatever happens in this life doesn't really matter. I, I want the best and I want the most, whatever God has for me or my family. But a president change has happened before and generations have lived through that. Fourthly, this is an opportunity to learn the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, what those founding documents say, to teach that and to integrate that into my thinking. I found that I am so ignorant about these things because I don't pay attention. I don't spend time thinking about these things on a daily basis and shame on me for not doing that. And no, I'm not a history major like, you know, some of some of you all in in this group, but it doesn't take a history major to do that. That's just common sense. We should all do that and to help my family and help myself learn and be able to articulate these things better. I got to take this as an opportunity to do that. And Biden, as he as he made some announcements about being president elect, said this, quote, he asked the American people to, quote, come together as Americans. My question is to myself, can I can we can my family? Is that possible? And if it if it is possible, where does that start? And it has to start with me. So even though we have some challenges out there in the courts and other things. 
don't know what, what's going to happen there. And I think I see the leanings of what's going to happen, but I don't know the end of that. I'm taking approach, an approach that just kind of rests on the sovereignty of God and says, okay, so so somebody who is left-leaning than I has maybe a progressive uh, slate behind him, uh, a cabinet behind him, leaders and other things that maybe I don't agree with their style or leadership. And Don, I do agree with you that we are taking another step, but we've taken these steps before. And maybe we're closer to that full realization of, of that. But nevertheless, we still also have the ability to take steps as Americans to try and educate ourselves and educate other people about what's going on and finding ways and conversations to be able to illuminate people. And that that has to start with me. So yes, I need to meet American. Am I happy about it? Well, when your team loses, you're not thrilled at all. I hate to lose. And Ryan, you 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 mentioned just just a second ago, you don't you don't even want to lose a race to your daughter, right? We don't want to lose. However, we have to figure out a way to gracefully lose and take it and and to do something with it. Losses are meant for us to learn lessons, and if we can't learn a lesson, then we truly aren't Americans because that's not democracy. We need to find a way to humbly just accept and move on and do the best we can with these things. And so for me and my family, that's kind of where we've we've uh, existed for the past week, kind of talked through things. I've shared things with my my students in school, and I've tried to be balanced on both sides. Here's here's what's being said. Here's what's being uh, announced. Here are the things that we are are faced with. Life's not over. We 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 still live. So that's where I'm at. Thanks, Jeremy. I, I would just add a, a few things. I think a lot of what you've said has been good to hear. So for me, I I work in municipal government. So as I've watched the news and heard about all the accusations coming from the president and other conservative sides about being convinced that there's voter fraud going on, I, I think to myself from my personal workplace and what the individuals are like that are in charge of elections. And I think about what goes on in Olmsted County and, and what I know personally, the people that run, uh, that tally the votes and bring in everything from the precincts in Rochester and add up who the winners and losers are on election night. And these are people that work for local government, whether it's city or county government, and they've been doing it for 10 or 20 years. They are not individuals that come in and just run an election and they bring all their sabotage attitude with them. They are people that are public servants that are they their whole goal at the end of this is to do it accurately and to the best of their ability and accomplish the task that's been set before them to run an election. And while I'm not from a place like Philadelphia or some of the larger municipalities that are adding up these votes, I just think of the people that I know, the volunteers that I know that run precincts to help voters come in and vote, those who are opening absentee ballots and tabulating scores, and they, they're just not people that are looking to carry forward their candidate. They are people that are tabulating results and just doing it to get the job done and to do it well and to be able to report their scores to the state. So it it frustrates me that President Trump is trying to point at constantly the integrity of these individuals and 
until you get up to the state level, these aren't even elected officials. These are employees of a local government who is just trying to do the job the best that they can. And so th that's been really frustrating to me, especially because I personally know a lot of these people in, in Minnesota, in our local area that are doing this. And it's hard for me to believe that it varies that drastically in other parts of the country. And, and so that's been one particular detail that's been frustrating to me this week. I think right now, for the good of the country, the president needs to come out and just concede this election. It's over. While it is very close in some critical states, it is not close enough that a recount is going to turn it over. That's, that's my opinion. So I think we just we need to move on when, and we need to try to find a way where in my my hope is that the Senate will continue to be a Republican Senate and find a way for these two parties in the executive and legislative branch to get together and, and try to figure out a way to move forward as we get into January and these new people take their positions. I, I think that's important. But if a whole new wave of things come into place, one quote that I was reminded of this week that I, I liked a lot, it, it's from C.S. Lewis, and it says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, he speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And what that quote, my takeaway from that is, you know, we in the United States, we have been blessed with fortune and a great position in the planet. A lot of people, uh, you know, they, they wish they lived in the United States from other places around the world. And perhaps we've been lulled to sleep a little bit by that. And, you know, a little more opposition or, you know, sharpening our our position and our conscience a little bit might not might not be a bad thing for us as Christians to, you know, maybe face a little opposition in the world may not be the worst thing. So if that all comes to pass, you know, I need to remember that if if I compared myself to a deck of cards, my top card needs to be that I'm a Christian. It is not that I'm an American. It is not that I'm a Republican. My top card needs to be that I'm a Christian. And am I living my life in such a way that I am reflecting that Christ in the way that I live? And that needs to be the most important thing to me. So if I am in a time of, you know, like the quote says, if I'm in a time where it's, you know, God whispers to us in our pleasures, am I still listening to those whispers and doing what God uh, asks and requires of me to do to try to live as a Christian, or when I'm living in times when it's tough, maybe we experience some pain, any kind of pain, and he's kind of shouting to get our attention. Am I listening to him then and, and doing what I ought to in responding to still try to live my life the best I can to sh reflect those Christian values and, and to be a reflection of Christ to the world. If I were to pound on my desk and say, my civil liberty is the most important thing out there in the world, is that really showing that I am the reflection of Christ? So that quote stuck out to me this week. I just was reminded of that yesterday. And I think that has some, that, that holds true a little bit to me a little more this week as we reflect on the elections. Yeah, as I as I kind of sit back and think what's happened in this last week, the first thing that comes to my mind is it, there was an energy on election day, right? You know, I, I got up, I was the twelfth person in line at the polling place. I showed up a half hour early, and by the time they opened up the polls, there was like two hundred people, and the parking lot was jammed up. 
there was an energy, you know, participating in this civic duty, but recognizing tens of millions of people uh, across the nation are doing this at the same time. And we're participating in this kind of links back to the founding fathers and their, their setup of it. And so something very, very, I think, special, uh, cool, however you want to say it, uh, to be able to participate and have a voice in that. I think many countries right now do not. And so for me, I felt an energy and an excitement, a gratefulness to even be able to participate in that. And it was interesting, you know, if you watched most of the media, you would think a, a blue wave was coming. Uh, if you'd, you know, would have listened to maybe some of us, you know, well, maybe just me and Kenny, but uh, we said a uh, you know a red a red storm was coming, and it looks like neither are going to be exactly right. But as as you take a look at it, it looks unlikely that President Trump will win, though it's not over yet, and we do need to make sure that every valid ballot is counted and and things are done rightly. But it still doesn't look like he he will win. But overall, like I think people voted more on whether they liked or did not like Trump. But I think from a conservative perspective, the House of Representatives didn't go the way that the Democrats thought. The Even the Senate, it might get a little bit tighter, but it looks like we'll retain that majority. And I think not that we've got to hold all the cards or they've got to hold all the cards, but I think that balance says a lot about what Don was mentioning regarding kind of the socialist path. It seems to me that most people are starting to awaken to that and, and are going to be resistant to that, that liberal view, that, that very open view that the, the left-leaning part of the, the Democrat Party is so openly you know, promulgating. And it seems like that's taken hold in uh, some of the younger people of our, of our, of our country. Uh, I think that's a bit concerning. But I, I think there was a lot of wins for conservatives, too. And even if we don't, the conservatives don't keep the presidency, I think it's boding very, very well for 2022 and 2024. As we were talking about this with our family, I was reminded, and we talked a little bit about Daniel, and I was kind of thinking about Piper's article, too, right? So you know, we kind of interacted on that a little bit. And it was interesting, in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar was this this high and mighty king over everything, and he exalted himself uh, above all. And God humbled him, right, for seven years, turns him into like he was an animal, and he ate from the grass and he he drank from the fountains and the streams and God humbled him and then restored him to his power. And Nebuchadnezzar learned a mighty lesson. But his son, you'd think his son might see your dad eating food, not at the table, not the king's table, but at, at the stable, at the king's stable, because he was acting like an animal. You think his son might learn something? Ah, not really. Belteshazzar uh, was was chilling and said, "Hey, let's bring out all all the uh, of Israel's uh, goods and their cups and their goblets and let's have a great time." And you guys remember that the hand came on the wall. I remember telling the story to to my girls this week and kind of reminded them of that. And they was like, "Man, what do you think that hand looked like?" I said, "I bet you that was the freakiest hand they ever saw." You know, I would love to see a video replay of that. But ultimately, Daniel kind of hinges. You know, the whole the whole book kind of hinges on that that one verse where it says, "God rules and reigns in the kingdom of men." Whom he sets up, he sets up, and whom he takes down, he takes down. And all these things are done to show that God is in control. And Jeremy, I think I, I resonate with what you're saying. There's a, and even Ben, you know, what you were saying as well. Like these things, though, we're, we're going up against them. And Don, I appreciate you sounding your concern and, and voice that we need to understand these things. But this might be the very thing that does bring, you know, Christians back to the heart of God and, and uh, maybe a little bit of pain, a little bit of, of discomfort might be the very thing that will will help expose some of the 
uh, softness and some of the mediocrity and lukewarmness that's uh, that's definitely rampant in the church, in, in my opinion. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I I will point back to the 2000 election. Now they, you know, the media said, "Hey, Gore won. It's great." And then in December, things flip. Now it's a little bit more complex this time around. But it's not like there's not a precedent for things to change. But anyway, those are some of my thoughts. So, Matt, are you saying that Trump will be like Nebuchadnezzar and be reelected in 2024 after he eats grass for a few years? <laughs> I think there's there's definitely a possibility for that. I think he could come back strong and he's not a normal political candidate, right? He says he says what he believes. He says it's all bravado and such. And I think it's really helped. It's helped change some some things for the positive, And in some cases, it's alienated a lot of people. But he he did for conservatism what I don't I do not think any other conservative candidate political lifer could ever do, uh, and he turned the tide in a way that I hope will help rise up and and maybe give a passion and a and a uh, energy behind conservatism, not this bland blah yeah I'll have butter on my toast type political thing from the Republicans. We don't need that. We need we need fierce leaders. We need you know back to C.S. Lewis. We need an Aslan. We don't need. Uh, somebody who's who's in the middle. Uh, we need we need a lion. I'm not saying Trump is Jesus or Trump is Aslan, so don't post <laughs> comments on the Facebook page to that effect. But uh, what I'm saying is he, he he came in and did things quite a bit differently, and uh, I think he kind of paved the way a little bit. And uh, I think th- those ripples will be felt for many many years. I think that's exactly right. I, I listened to somebody saying Trump has shown the Republicans the road to success in what to do when he did things right, but he also has shown what not to do in many ways as well. So if 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 a wise Republican running in future office can see, hey, these were good steps he took policy-wise, do it. And yet there's a personality side of him, a uh, communication side of him that needed a lot of fine tuning. And so I think I think you're right there. I guess I guess just to reflect from from my point of view, my family's point of view here, and I, I appreciate what all of you have said so far. I think I, I came away probably the one word to describe my reflection on this election is confused. It's just I, I'm confused. You know, you you all have mentioned it. So far, if you listen to left-leaning media, it's going to be a blue wave. Right-leaning media, Trump landslide. Well, yeah, like Matt said, none of that happened. And then you look at the candidates and you say, wow, we've talked about this before too, but how for president of the United States are we down to these two guys? I, I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand how you, you go to sleep Tuesday night and Trump has a sizable lead and then you wake up Wednesday morning. And it's gone. My oldest daughter, I was I was asking for her reflection on it. She's she's getting to the age now as an eighth grader. She's picking up things pretty well, comprehending, following. She said, Yeah, that seemed that seemed a little fishy to me that Trump had such a large lead Tuesday night and uh lost so many votes or Biden picked up so many votes going into the next day. I said, Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit bizarre. Um my youngest daughter, not affected at all by the election, so she's in a good place. For Aaron, my wife, she's she's a little discouraged. I, I think it is easy to come away maybe with some concern. I think there are Christians who come away with fear. It's not been where I've been at. And like Jeremy, what you were saying, I, I want to lead and I, I don't want to open up the door for fear. 
because we don't have to fear. One of the Psalms that has been on my mind this week is Psalm 121, uh, where the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And, you know, that's probably a pretty familiar Psalm. But the last verse of, of that, verse eight says, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So I'm trying to make sure our eyes are staying on the Lord. And uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's got us. I mean, he's got our future. He's directed us to where we are now. I'm thankful that I, I believe it looks like we're going to have a, a balance of government so that one side is not just going to overwhelm the other side and do things structurally that our country has never seen, that they've talked about. I did see today, it sounds like Biden might come out with a national mask mandate that could even... Uh, be in place once you leave your door. It's just a headline. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm not sure if that's exactly what will happen, but we're going to see a shift. And for people like like Ben and me who think that masking makes sense, I, I don't think it's the, the worst idea, but I, I want to see a balance. I don't think people outdoors walking around need a mask on. Okay. So uh, th- things will change, but yeah, I, I I think 2022 and 2024 are going to be really interesting, but I'm just coming away confused. We still don't know how this election is going to go down. I agree with Matt. It looks like Trump will lose, but I want things to be done rightly. And another area that confuses me are these metropolitan areas. I just don't understand how most of them see an 80% vote go to the Democrat Party every year. I mean, every time there's an election, it's an 80-20 deal. Uh, Washington, D.C., 98%. I think it was 98%, wasn't it? 98% of the vote versus 2% of the vote? High 90s, mid-90s, high 90s. I mean, yeah, maybe it was closer to 95%. I I can't remember, but you look at that and you're like, what in the world? And – you know, you look back and you say, okay, if you look at how Trump handled the coronavirus, he can take some criticism. But who would have handled it perfectly? I don't know. You look at the way he communicates. I've already talked about that. That's going to turn off a lot of people. So it's not a shock that Trump might end up losing this election. But if you flip the coin and you say Joe Biden is 78, uh, he seems to be declining mentally. This is the president of the United States we're talking about. You can make a sound argument for why why Trump should be reelected, but we just we're so divided, and I hope, like Matt mentioned, we 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 start seeing things a little more clearly now, and we, we can see more of a consensus in in principles, and hopefully unify, as I said earlier, around the things Trump did well, and then we as Christians that we will keep our eyes where they belong, and and Jeremy, like you said, not live in fear. Uh, I, I don't think there's any need to. And so it's uh, it's one for the ages. But yeah, I just I've just kind of felt confused all week. It's a good reminder. We shouldn't listen to news media outlets very often. Far right, far left. And so I'm, I'm thankful that I'm now canceling my YouTube TV subscription. So that that's going to be a nice savings for me. Hey, I, I want to make one more point. I, I appreciate what, what Ben said with our poll workers and those who are who are volunteering in many in many ways to do these things and I do think that many of them if have a honest role in that one thing that I do think needs to be greatly addressed nationwide I don't care what state you're in is how to handle the counting of these ballots in a proficient and clear way 
we have, for goodness sakes, we can solve ridiculously difficult problems in this nation. There should be a way that by Tuesday or Wednesday morning, we should be able to have a president and them counted, whether it's states saying, look, we need to open ballots, you know, that the two days before or whatever, so that we can get these things in, figure out what the last date of the postmark is. All those things need to be, you know, handled well. And I understate states autonomy and we need to leave it to the states. And I agree with that. However, states get it together, whatever state you're in, get it together and let's be able to count those ballots and give the American people and the candidate. I can't imagine being either Joe or Trump going, did, did we? Did we not? Did we? And they're still wondering. They're still kind of going, eh. I mean, I haven't really seen Biden come out with complete confidence. I mean, he has, I guess, uh, come out because I know that there's these underlying things going on. But for goodness sakes, we have got to figure out how to make these votes get in and out and counted. You know, regardless of the shenanigans that, you know, go on and, and whatever has been alleged and, and is real or not, as far as those concerns, but those poll workers should not, you know, feel danger or should not feel oppressed or whatever. We should just give them a system that can handle this thing so that we know one way or the other. Brilliant. In sports, that's what we that's what we love is there's a there's a zero, 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 zero that goes off, whether it's the shot clock or the actual game clock. The game is over. And when there is a question, sports has even gone to, well, let's go in slow motion. Let's review that. Let's look at that a little bit closer. And if that's going to happen uh, in states to be able to zip those things through, we should have a quick way to come up and be able to get that done. That, to me, is an embarrassment in many ways. I understand there's all kinds of things that that led into that. And I, I don't even know half the stuff, I'm sure. But we got to f- figure out a way to do that. There's just got to be a way. So building on that, um, Jeremy, and I, and I heard Ben say it, that he thought that uh, Trump should concede. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? What do you guys think? Should he concede the, concede the election? Yeah, I, I don't agree with that right now. I think we do. There, there's enough question where we just we need to follow. We need to follow the, you know, follow the law. Let's get. You know, Republican and Democrats in there. Let's take a look at the areas where there is alleged fraud or things didn't things looked funny. We need to figure that out. I don't think there's nothing says we've got to know by, you know, the night of the election or the day after. So I think we take our time. We do it right. Let's get every correct vote counted. And then the tally is what the tally is. So I I don't think at this point, I don't think it's it's uh, responsible to to concede the election. I think I think Trump can say, yeah, you know, the, the numbers aren't great, but we do have cause to believe that there could have been things done illegally. And so we want to make sure that the right thing is done. I think that's what his message should be on. Maybe not guaranteeing that they stole the election from us. That's going too far. You, there's irregularities and we're going to follow the lawful means to investigate those. And then when that is done, then we will accept the outcome. I think that that's the approach that uh, mm-hmm. that should be taken. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree with that. I I don't think he should concede at this point because of the question in place. And and I think what we hope we should hope for and pray for is that truth is clear. And as tough as that is to even imagine sometimes in this world, but it's clear to everyone. And, you know, I, I posted on Facebook that of all presidents, you think about anybody who should be alarmed at shenanigans going on 
against him to take him out, it should be Trump. And, and I understand what Ben was saying about most I, most election officials, I'm sure, are fine. And, and they're they're just doing their job. But remember, he had FBI agents coming up with a plot and plan to take him down, an illegal and fake dossier. And this is the FBI, a group we're supposed to trust for law enforcement, was undermining the president of the United States. So if, if that doesn't give you pause for what could happen for institutions we should be trusting in, I think he's got a case. And so when he hears of things happening on the ground, yeah, let's take him to court. Let's let's get everything out in the light and let truth prevail. I think uh, currently how it stands is that uh, the first suit will uh, pertain to Pennsylvania um, as far as electors being able to uh, view the counting of votes is what they're going to be claiming. Um, and then Michigan and Georgia will be following suit as well. So, you know, is it is it something, do you think something could have, I saw it on, the, on, the, on TV when they were, Putting up the boards. Yeah, I saw I saw a clip on the news and they were putting up the boards for the counting station wherever they're at. They're putting up boards. Now, when I immediately thought of that, I was like, "Oh man, I can't believe they're they're trying to hide it. They're trying to conceal it." But then another thought occurred to me. I was like, "Well, wait, maybe maybe they're trying to protect themselves for crying out loud for the rioters or anything that's outside." I mean, could they be? Could they have? Were they doing it because they were trying to you know protect the the, the count? You know, I mean, from windows being smashed in so that they would stop the counting or blah, blah, blah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think there's two sides to every story. Right. But um, but it is concerning to me that when they start, if, if there is truly evidence and that's what I really want to see. I'm like, Trump, please don't waste our time if you don't have any evidence, if you don't have any substantial evidence that tells us that there was some shenanigans going on. Just because you think it might have been going on, but you don't have any proof, please don't waste our time. Because if he does, well, the, the, yeah, that's going to be a big deal. And I agree with you guys. I don't, I, I'm not quite sure. He, yeah, he should concede, but I'm scared that he's going to draw this whole thing out based on information or evidence or, or the lack thereof. You know, that's what I'm worried about. I think be, I think the, the, the longer this draws out, the longer this pent up energy that Matt spoke of with this election, and I agree, some of the, the founding fathers who had this brainchild of having every vote count and people going to the polls and doing that, they, they must be very proud today to watch that. That must be, that, I mean, if they knew how many people voted, something else. But the, my point, the longer this draws out, I think the tensions are just going to get worse and worse, stronger and stronger, pent up, pent up. And when the deciding, you know, what whoever decides that courts or, or whatever the case may be, is Trump or Biden going to be able to have the humility as a leader to be able to say, yes, I concede, or um, it is a definitive win. And as that pent up energy happens, I don't see, as Ben said, I, I don't see anything good happening either side, except anger just continues to get out of control. The more we have that kind of pent up energy, the crazier we're going to look as a nation. And un unfortunately, the more damage we're going to see as soon as the as soon as the announcement is made. I, I just see that as too too big a risk. And unfortunately, you know, with other things that happen, and look, I think they should go after some of the actual observed illegal things. 
if there were illegal things and they were observable and they are documentable and we can do that and we have more than you know one person saying that or there's a witness to it and it is legitimate, prosecute it. My goodness, if somebody steals from a bank and they don't know who it is, they can't just go nab somebody and say, nope, I know what happened. And so we're going to arrest somebody, get some evidence from somebody. We're just going to get a, you know, some, some type of person. But undisputed evidence is an important thing. And then that's what that's what kind of speaks to the whole thing. All of a sudden, you know that there's accountability. You know that there's going to be people watching. You know that there's going to be audits. All of these things need to be set in place. And it just kind of it puts everybody at ease. Their vote's going to be heard. Everybody's going to count. And in a right and appropriate way, it alleviates the tension of our nation. I'm already not looking forward to the transition of power. I think it's going to be peaceful because we've done it peacefully every single time. And I love watching it on television, watching the president leave and the new president coming in and assuming his office. That's a beautiful thing. What a powerful thing to the world, an absolutely powerful thing to the world. But we better have somebody uh, or an election that is good enough, that has enough integrity to it, that even the party that lost or the people who did not vote for that can confidently say he won. This person won. She won. Whoever whoever the candidate might be, it needs to be that transparent. And I think we're we're going to build this massive fire and and pent up explosiveness, both sides. I don't think you can say one side or the other. I think it's both sides that will have this. And uh, I'm not looking forward to that happening. And for that, I want it expediated. I want it quick. Yeah, I all I've got to say to that, Jeremy, is I agree. We need it. Hopefully, even this week, we get a clearer picture. And I, I, I don't think Trump is going to win in the end. But let's say the courts somehow make it possible. I'm trying to figure out, do I move in with Don into the bunker? But Brilliant. then I realize he's in the Twin Cities and that Yo. mayor in Minneapolis just lets everything go. So maybe I don't want to head to the Twin Cities. What makes you think my bunker's in the Twin Cities, brother? Brilliant! <laughs> oh, that's, that's a fair point. There's a fair point. Yeah. Sorry. Just an assumption, I guess. I like what you said, Jeremy, about that peaceful transition. You know, one of the things I saw floating around social media today was John McCain's concession speech to President Obama and just how powerful that was. And I mean, I've already said it earlier tonight, I think it's time for President Trump to concede. I just think it, I do, I I think that's what is the next thing and it needs, it should happen soon for a lot of the reasons you outlined, Jeremy. And, you know, one other kind of off tangent item that I think is worth noting, regardless of what we perhaps think about the platforms of um, the president and, and vice president-elect, potentially vice president-elect. But it's pretty cool that the vice president-elect is a female and is a, is a minority individual. I, I think that's cool. No matter what, it's, right. it's a historical right. moment, just like when President Obama was elected as a president. That was a historical moment as a black man being our, our, the first person from his background it is cool. So the more we can continue to see that diversity and have, you know, kids of the next generation seeing people that look like them in those positions of leadership, that, that's a really cool moment, no matter what we think about potentially the platforms that Harris believes in. Just that detail of it is a pretty cool moment that we were able to see happen this week, too. Okay, Ben, riddle be this. 1999, the voting for the Rookie of the Year in Baseball at Pillsbury College was taken. And would you know it, a little-known senior from, the, from Plymouth, Minnesota, 
rose up from the ranks and became <laughs> and was elected Rookie of the Year. Now, you were the Stewart. You were the Oatana baseball guru. You, you were the man. and the, You were the freshman. You were the best freshman, no doubt, handed out. But what if I told you there was some nefarious uh, uh, counting going on in the background, and uh, I happened to flip in a couple more votes for, for myself, <laughs> allowing me to win the uh, Rookie of the Year. Which, which I did, as a matter of fact. Well, that's the difference between a democracy and a <laughs> dictatorship. That was not a fair and just system and decision. That was that was from the part of the world we don't want to be associated with. So hey, I also totally have an axe to grind with student teacher of the year award ish <laughs> that that really really didn't go to the correct candidate if you will well, that's all um, about buttering um, up the light as i've got nothing else to say about that yeah well no kidding i was i was a through and through enemy of of their uh their taste that's for sure that's all right one <laughs> maybe one more note from my side i do you know again i'm a big I would love to see alternate universes for COVID-19. I think I've mentioned that. But what would the country look like if the script was flipped to where Biden was leading and then overnight these states flipped to Trump? You know, would there still be calm in the in the streets or would it be chaos? And I from my side, you know, I, I'd be concerned that there would be there would be chaos. I and that's what leads me to believe there might be there are things going on that we certainly don't see. Uh, I think it's it's too there's too much. It's it's a little bit troubling just how easy it was and how things flip so fast. And there's there's something just there's something at work deep underneath that doesn't doesn't smell doesn't pass a sniff test for me. What's that? What's that phrase? Something smells rotten in Denmark or something like that. Speaking oh. of Denmark, did you guys see there's a new uh, coronavirus pandemic with the mink in Denmark and it's uh, headed into mink and gone back to humans and it might be mutating? Did you see that? Yeah, that's exciting. Exciting news. Sorry. <laughs> wow. That's a little off topic. but minks from, Is that what you're saying there? We could have to ban minks? Are you talking mink the animal? Yeah, yeah, mink the animal. Yeah, they, I guess there are just herds of them over in Denmark of all places, and they got coronavirus, and then the coronavirus that the minks got shifted into humans and got transmitted to humans, and it's, it's right. a different, it's a different it's, form of the original virus. So they're they're waiting to see what that looks like. We got yeah, mink and, masks coming. They're good. And now they're, they're gonna be fine. <laughs> China's yeah. making them. They're shipping them over. We're going to be good. Brilliant. We're going to mask all our minks in the U.S. so that we're we're just going to be fine. Reduce the viral load of minks. Got That's it. That's a great slogan. Yeah, they're they're calling the population of minks in Denmark now. Mm -hmm. They are bringing them all in and <laughs> taking them off to the glue factory or whatever they do with a mink. <laughs> yeah, call it calling is a nice word for what they're doing. Yeah. All right, are we ready to move on from uh, election reflection? All right, it's that time, six in the mix trivia. We've got a post-election flavor of six in the mix trivia today. So we've got a couple questions and, and a song. Again, name is your buzzer. Who was the first president to be elected while losing the popular vote? Who was the first president to be elected while losing the popular vote? Ben. Hmm. Go ahead, Ben. George W. Bush. I'm sorry. It's a good guess, but that's not correct. Everybody should at least have one guess. You got what? 
a two percent chance. Well, not a little bit higher because Ben picked a guy. What are we at? Fifty forty-seven. What what is the number of presidency? Are we at forty forty-six? Yeah, so you got a little bit better than two percent chance. Ryan, go ahead. Uh, Ryan, John F. Ryan. John F. Kennedy. That is not correct. All right, Don. Jeremy, Don, you each got to give a got to give a guess. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say Reagan. That is not correct. No. Yeah, I I'm going to say I'll just go with FDR. No, that's not correct. I actually, got to go all the way back to John Quincy Adams. Hmm. John Quincy Adams. So, wow. That, uh, going going back. Yeah, you guys were a little bit uh, I think more in the 20th century, but uh, yeah, generationally, yeah. Further. Good good question. Go all right. Kamala Harris will likely make history as the first woman vice president, but who was the first woman to be nominated Ryan. as part of a major uh, Ryan? Geraldine Ferrara. That is correct. She was part of which ticket, Ryan? Walter Mondale. Yeah. A- 84. Yeah, he, and they got they got blasted by Ronald, my, my man. Yeah, pretty cool. She was actually of Italian descent and is still the only Italian male or female, I believe, that uh, has been part of a major party ticket, as I recall. Hmm. Nice. All right. Last question. Uh, again, you all have a shot at this. This amendment to the Constitution lays out term limits for presidents. This amendment to the Constitution lays out term limits for presidents. Uh, Ryan? Uh, go ahead, Ryan. 26th? Thankfully, that is incorrect. <clears throat> we know it's not the 25th. There, you're right. Yeah, start process of elimination. Jeremy scored well on his SATs. <laughs> Got to give a guess, gang. There's not unlimited amendments. Is there a music question or is this it for tonight? No, we got a music one too. I'll say, uh, I'll say the 23rd. No. Not quite. Not quite. 22nd. Ben, with the money, that's correct. It's the 22nd Amendment. Two out of the three uh, election-focused questions correct, so nice and, job on that. And and who was the president that forced that? Oh, I think I read this. Um, FDR. Correct. Very cool. All right, you guys ready for uh, you guys ready for the music one? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm pumped up. Been, been waiting all week. <laughs> well, then you shall not be disappointed. Jeremy, American Beautiful. Brilliant! <laughs> my country, tis of thee. Oh, my lanta. Better. All right. You would we go. All right. In three, two, one. Brian. <laughs> Ryan It's the end of the world R.E.M. That that is an incorrect title. I'm so sorry. That's an incorrect title. Everybody else care to care to wager a guess on on what the title of that song is. Just can just continue the lyric, gents. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. And I feel fine. Who is it by, Ben? R.E.M. Ben, you are doing well. Yeah, I totally wow. beat you, Shafe, by about a fraction of a second. <laughs> My number nasty is is got some movement on it today. <laughs> well, what? Okay, so what's what's the full title? It's the end of the world as we know it, and then and in parentheses, I and I feel fine. Longer, <laughs> but 
because as believers, we can't, that's not, that was more the funny side. I do have an actual song. So oh. uh, may, may, maybe, maybe some redemption, maybe that, some redemption. Oh, that one doesn't and, count. Uh, it does. You no, know, if you would have gotten it right, it wouldn't have counted. Uh, <laughs> anybody else got it right. It counts. Um, <laughs> yeah. And don't worry, Ryan, I'm still sharing my points with everybody. So <laughs> right, like, like a good liberal. All right. Perfect. It. This yeah this the the focus of this song is is one that uh, we should have as Christians so I'm not sure I don't know if that'll necessarily help you but a uh, uh, great tune and here we go in three two one uh, another another one of the great intros of all time Ben oh please Ben do it what do you got Our God is Greater by Chris Tomlin. Yes! Yes! For extra credit, Ben, where was this this version recorded at? Uh, Target Center. Dang it, no. <laughs> this was actually uh, at Red Rocks out in Colorado. Oh, at Amphitheater. Cool. Really? Has anybody seen him in concert at all? No. 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 If, if you guys have not seen the video for that uh, Chris Tomlin, Our God, in, out at Red Rocks, it is cool as rip. Check it out, and and again, the whole the whole song is uh, that it'll it'll give you a good perspective too. You know, um, you know, the bridge especially. If our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? Uh, if our God is with us, then who could stand against? You know, there and and the answer is obviously rhetorical. Nobody, there's nobody can stand against. Our God is greater. Um, our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. Um, it's a good one, so give that one a shot. Does it uh, pale in comparison to uh, Matt and Don's rendition of Van Kennedy live at the Red Rocks? <laughs> that's Don. That's yeah, Don. Th- th- there's there's nothing that tops that. Okay, I think I, like, I just want to make sure it was. That's what I'm hoping is on the cassette tape that you have alluded to. <laughs> that that's what should be on there, not any other shenanigans that uh, that don't need to be portrayed. But anyhow, yeah, that was uh, an election-focused trivia. A little bit long, but uh, I had a good time, and that's really all that matters. So. <laughs> anyway, turn it over to Ryan for calling your shot. Well, first, I I want to I want to be a gracious loser and congratulate Ben on a great night of trivia. <laughs> I mean, he just the last three questions he just dominated. So that you, that is impressive. That's been fifteen Ryan? episodes in the making, Ryan. <laughs> well, hey, I mean. Uh, the question is, do they still count? Because usually we just have two questions. Do we stop at two tonight or do we count all five? I think it counts as eight. As the totalian dictator of six in the mix trivia, whichever questions are asked, that shall be the point tally. All right. Well, hey. Sign, I'm, sealed, delivered. I'm always up for more trivia questions, so that's that's just fine. All right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Speaking of trivia, speaking of trivia, uh, how, did you guys hear uh, Alex Trebek hmm. passed away this morning? Yeah, did. yeah, I did. did hear that. Yeah, I I don't know if I told you guys this. You've you've given me enough grief for being a nerd bull, but uh, one of the things I used to do when I was in in my teens is I would come home after school, watch Jeopardy, and write down the questions and answers in a notebook. So that's probably something you <laughs> don't want to let people know about, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 You. <laughs> Little Debbie Snacks, a Jeopardy notebook, Alex Trebek. There's nothing we need to know more about you. 
<laughs> do you have the notebook? Can you produce the notebook? Uh, I, I, I doubt it. I, I don't think so. Alex, but, I'd like to take fudge rounds for 500, please. <laughs> <laughs> Little Debbie's for 300. <laughs> I, I, I did do that. I've, I've applied to get on the show, especially when I was that age, I was just so into that. And, uh, Hey, it almost paid off. I told you guys, we were the, my closest trip to state competition was in knowledgeable and my work almost paid off. So you can knock it all you want, but it nearly, it nearly paid off for Grenada Huntley East chain team one. You applied to get on Jeopardy? Yeah, yeah, I, I did once or twice. I, I tried to, I, I sent in what I needed to send in to get on, but I guess I was not enough of a winner to do this, to, to make the show. You send in, would you have to send in a video or a, how did that work? Oh man, it's been, it's been probably 25, 25, 28 years. No, not a video. Yeah, I think it was just just a postcard. I mean, there is a slight questionnaire on there. You didn't have to fill out a lot of information. Yeah. Way, way before digital era, of course. So yeah, I was, I was always hoping to get the call, you know, I was hoping to get the call, but such is life. And, uh, I am still here trying to win some trivia questions, just not against Ben tonight. So all good. All good. Well, Hey, we're uh, moving on to calling your shot tonight, and we are about halfway through the NFL season. We are uh, this week is week number nine, and we also have a prediction we've placed earlier to see if the NFL has a full season or not. So so far, those who have said yes, it will be a full season, they are looking good. So congrats to you all, but it it ain't over till it's over. But I thought, hey, this would be a good time. We've all seen uh, how teams are are faring at this point, and we we did the same thing for baseball with calling our World Series champ. So I thought we'd uh, call our Super Bowl champ tonight. So hopefully we've all gotten a, a good look at the teams in this COVID year, minus a lot of fans. So I will just go. I've written our names down. I'll start off with Jeremy to see in the land of Wisconsin if he's going to stick true to that uh, cheesy state. That would be negative. I'm going to go, and I'm not I'm not a fan necessarily, although I, I think some of the things he has done as a quarterback has just been phenomenal. Uh, but I'm going to go and stick stick out a little bit and go with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I think Brady and his passion to play. I'm almost hoping that he wins just because um, and, and gets the chance to go to another one. Just because that, in my mind, would validate what he has done in, in the past teams and, and with Belichick. But even without the coaching staff and without those things, if he can, if he can attain that as as an athlete coming in for a first year player or with a first team, a new team, the first year here, uh, I to me that would be the ultimate challenge. And I don't see him. I don't see him like other you know stars where hey, let's all get together and come to this team. Uh, I mean, Gronk is there. I get it. I see it as a true uphill challenge. I think he sees it as that. And it would just, for me, it would be really fun to see that uh, happen. I think it would be a capstone on his already ridiculous resume. But that's what I'm going with, Tampa Bay. Jeremy, would you change your mind if you knew they were losing 31-0 to zero to the Saints right now? Ouch. You know. <laughs> yes, he will. <laughs> no. Nope. Choice number two. Going with it. <laughs> 
are they really losing that bad? Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's here's one thing that's interesting. I just don't miss football. I've been watching it a little bit here and there, but I just I am not missing football. I'm not missing the NBA. I'm not missing I hear tidbits of it here and there. And if I'm there, I'm watching games, but I am just not consumed with it. And it's amazing how much time I've got. It, I mean, even if I listen to it, I, I spend my my day with more more activity and I get more done, that's for sure. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll steer back the other way someday. But right now, just enjoying it. But no, I'm going with Tampa Bay. All right. Way to stick to your guns, Jeremy. Well well done. I'm going to head over to our, our buddy in Cleveland. I'm guessing he's going to go with the Brownies. Matt? Uh, not so much. Though they are improved, it's uh, it's it's been fun to see them on the at least over five hundred for sure. I you know I don't watch a ton of football either. I watched the Vikings game. I uh, I may may regret this calling your shot, but the Vikings are running the ball like people possessed. Brilliant. The defense today was opportunistic. Brilliant. Please don't. Please don't. I feel. I've got a sense in in 2020, if the Vikings can turn it around and make the playoffs, they are going to win the Super Bowl, a la the New York Giants, not too many years ago. Duh, Vikings! Brilliant! Did you see Dalvin run through Detroit in the Packers like they were Swiss cheese? It was unbelievable. Oh, I I don't even know what to say. I've... I, I appreciate I appreciate your hometown perspective. You are a home homegrown Vikings fan, and and I, I I appreciate that. But you do realize they are not in the NFC East, where where they might have the best record. They they are still in a division where they are third out of four teams, right? Yes, that is correct. It's an uphill climb. It's a dark horse pick, no doubt about it. But uh, I don't really have a ton of intelligence. I could pick one of the undefeated teams, but uh, what's what's the fun in that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like what I've seen out of the hometown uh, group the last two weeks. And uh, they, they may, I, I'm rolling the dice on that. They're uh, they got a special role going on. So, okay. All right. We got, it in. we got you down. All right. Let's go over to Ben. Ben, uh, let's see if you are going to stay within our great state of Minnesota and join Matt. Uh, I will not be joining Matt, although I don't see too many losses on the schedule coming up for the Vikings. They'll they'll play Jeremy's favorite Tampa Bay and uh, the Saints later. But other than outside of the Packers, and they already beat them once, the rest of the NFC North is not good. So if Dalvin can stay healthy, who knows? But I'm going the more conventional route uh, here for sure. I will take the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in the Super Bowl to win that contest. I don't think that now that Andy Reid has finally figured out how to win a Super Bowl, I think he'll be back, and I think he'll win another one this year. And Patrick Mahomes is a unbelievable talent, and he's got a ton, a ton of offensive skill players around him. I just think they'll be too much, and they'll win it this year. All right. Thank you, Ben. Don? Well, I liked the picks by uh, Jeremy and Ben. I hadn't actually thought of those two going uh, to the Super Bowl. I think just based on what they said, talk me out of it. So I'm going to go with <laughs> the Steel Curtain. It's for Steelers. I'm going to take it off. That was my choice number two, Don. That's I think that's a good pick. Okay, Don. We, we got it. Ethan is not here tonight, so uh, I, I'll share my pick with you. And 
Ben stole my thunder, so I will go with the uh, team that wears red, Kansas City Chiefs. And in fact, he used some of the same rationale I, w- I was going to use, though I didn't think of talking about Andy Reid already getting that under his belt and it not being as much of a hurdle. I just I just love the weapons, and he's the best quarterback in the game. So if it comes down to a Steelers-Chiefs uh, champ AFC championship match, it'll be, it'll be a great match. I think Pittsburgh has a little better defense but I just don't think there's a way to slow down the offense of the Chiefs. I think they're just going to keep piling on points as they need to do it. So I'm I'm with Ben. I think they will repeat as champions. So not only will the Chiefs not win the Super Bowl, not only will the Chiefs not win the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs will not even make it to the AFC Championship game. Mark that one down. Jeremy, put that in your uh, bedside bookkeeping <laughs> log sheet there as well. Make sure Ryan doesn't write that down wrong. And uh, just out of curiosity, Matt, what makes you so confident in that prediction? I believe it's just very hard to win back-to-back Super Bowls. I think they will. The AFC has got some really strong opponents, and I think I think they they run into a little bit of a buzzsaw in their first game. They'll they'll likely get a bye. But that's going to be a tough road to hold. That AFC is going to, whoever comes out of the AFC is going to be battered and bruised. Uh, that that would be actually pretty fun to watch. Yeah, you're right. It is tough to repeat. One of the teams that's been playing really well lately actually is the Miami Dolphins. Hmm. They, I think they won their fourth straight today and they just, they just started playing Tua, their number one draft pick. So he he's looked decent and uh, yeah, won four in a row. So you usually think AFC East Patriots right now, it's the Bills on top, but Miami's climbing their way up. And that's a defensive minded coach. He came from New England. So they'll, they'll be a team to watch. I would say if I had to, if I had to, you know, obviously my homer pick, if I could put anybody, you know, as Super Bowl champion to be the Vikings, but I would literally love to see the Buffalo Bills uh, win it all. Right. I mean, you back, remember back in like the Jim Kelly era, what is it, four straight Super Bowls? They lost them all. I mean, that that's just epic, you know, epic frustration and disappointment. But uh, that's uh, it, and I live close to Buffalo. So it's it's fun to kind of it's fun to kind of feel that energy. And it, it'd be great to see them. They've lived in the shadow of New England for so long. It'd be great if they really got out. And I think they're they're going to be a tough team to reckon with, too. Yeah, they are the Vikings of the AFC in terms of playoff fortune or Super Bowl fortune. Right. Correct. Okay. Well, thanks guys. I've noted all of our picks and we'll update some of our calls here in the coming weeks to see how we're doing. And with that, we'll turn it over to Ben for the feel good story of the week. All right. Feel good story of the week. So I'm going to continue right on that football theme here and tell a story about a a pretty cool thing I saw happen in Southeast Minnesota um, last week. Uh, there is a, a gentleman, a senior in high school by the name of Brody Larson. He stands four feet, four inches tall and weighs 86 pounds as a senior in high school. So uh, he he suffers from or, or has to has lived his whole life with hurler syndrome. Uh, it's a syndrome that causes some um, pretty significant physical challenges, obviously, you know, resulting in the size that he is. And, and he's. Uh, legally um, blind and has some other challenges too. But uh, on a Friday night, about a week and a half ago, he scored a touchdown for the Leroy Ostrander high school football team. Uh, He's been a manager with the team his whole time through high school, but they got him into the game uh, a week and a half ago on a Friday night and uh, did a handoff to him. The opponent they were playing, you know, they kind of took it easy on that play and allowed this young man to trot into the end zone 
Uh, one of his favorite players is Adrian Peterson. In fact, he wears uh, number 28, uh, just as AP did while he was here for the Vikings and said after the game when they interviewed him, they said that he felt like Adrian Peterson running into the end zone on that mm-hmm. play. So pretty cool deal that this kid who's had a lot of challenges in life was able to have the spotlight on him for a, a moment there and and make a memory as a, a senior in high school, running into the end zone and scoring his uh, touchdown for the Leroy Ostrander high school football team. Ben, is there is there video on that? There is video on that. Yep, there is. So we could uh, you could, we could YouTube that or Google that or yep. that'd be kind of fun to see. Yep, I can certainly share that link. I'm looking at it right now from one of the local TV stations that um, produced that. So yeah, re- really cool moment for that guy and for his parents and the whole community was a really cool thing. Yeah, uh, that's a great story. All right, Jeremy, why don't you close us off with Fix Your Eyes? Well, thank you guys. <clears throat> Over the last... A couple of days as I've been kind of thinking about uh, what I should what I should share and how I should share that, uh, I could not help but um, probably three or four times uh, specifically just becoming overwhelmed with uh, gratitude and, and emotion uh, concerning my salvation and how God saw fit to choose me, a wretched sinner, one who is aimed away from Him, and yet He called me before the foundations of the world. He adopted me and called me his own. And uh, that is that is something I'm forever grateful. And, and why, I do not know. Can't, can't answer that question. But my response to that is to live for him for the rest of my life and to give him everything that I possibly can in every way possible. Uh, to start the, the journey, it was 10, 10 years old. I remember coming home one afternoon, Sunday. Pastor Males had preached. I don't know what he preached about, honestly, uh, but whatever it was struck my heart. Uh, we had eaten dinner and typically we'd go to my grandparents' house, but this time we did not. We just, we just came, came right to our, our home and uh, we ate dinner and it was a little bit more informal, just got our meal done and, and I actually had to go use the restroom. And so sometimes, you know, you just sit, sit in there and think. So I was literally going to the bathroom, sitting in there as a 10-year-old, going to the bathroom, and uh, God just spoke to my heart, and I asked him into my heart right then and there, right in the bathroom. I came out, and uh, I went right to my mom and dad, said, I need to tell you something. I've accepted Christ. Of course, they were excited about that, and I started the journey. I think for the next maybe... I don't know, year. I was pretty excited about that and, and kept that close and, and was growing. And I would suggest to you that from about 11 years old to about 18, maybe maybe 17, 18, you could, you could probably uh, say that I either I was asleep or I was numb. I was just numb to anything that had to do with God. I heard it all the time, went to church on Sunday twice, Wednesday, was in chapel in a Christian school, had youth group, had people coming and speaking into my life, family, friends, you name it. And I just, I was numb. I had no real desire or joy when talking about the things of the Lord. And probably one of the biggest regrets I have in my life is is going numb for those six, seven years in my life. Through a set of circumstances, God allowed me to enter the state of Minnesota for the first time ever in my life with two suitcases, a pillow, and a windbreaker. 
And I remember going into the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul airport and being picked up and driven to the campus. And I, I literally thought, this is this is crazy, God. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to stay here. And God also saw fit that I would make some some fantastic friends and and see, um, have me observe and have me watch uh, people live their life out in a Christ honoring way and with a relationship with Him. And I can tell you, you gentlemen, that you are part of part of my story. So let me let me share just quickly, Don. For you, the, the thing that I learned from you probably more than anything other than your voice and how how sweet and just amazing that is especially when you sing was your is your meekness you are a very powerful and quiet person until you need to be loud until you need to be heard and your leadership in that basketball and in the dorm and just in my life uh, has been something that I truly, truly cherish. And I know that God was working in my heart and he need, He knew I needed your influence. And so I, I've learned meekness from you. Uh, Ethan, even though he's not here, who could argue Ethan's integrity? Uh, he is a man of integrity. I have seen that over and over again. And the other thing that that Ethan taught me and just always had, it seemed like, was just great self-discipline uh, when I did not. And I know that that was something that was taught to him, but man, because of his belief in Christ and because he just, he wore Christ on, on his chest so well and through his life, self-discipline was taught to me by, by that man and uh, forever grateful about that as well. Ryan, we always speak of you and your competitiveness, which is true. But one of the things that I remember back, even even thinking while you were playing <clears throat> video games, and even though you're accused of, you know, cheating and doing some of those, you know, crazy code things, the one thing that always came into my mind was, you know, the, the scripture that says, you know, I am going to contend for the faith. I'm going to compete for it. I'm going to go after it. And your competition, the way you contend for it, didn't matter what it was, whether it was the spot in the uh, lunch line or spot in chapel, uh, whether it's the video game or the competitive actual sport that you were playing, didn't matter. Your com competition in my development and maturity, I, I needed that. And God knew I needed that. And I contend for the faith better because of your influence and competition because of that. So uh, I've grown. I've grown because of that. Ben, there is no doubt that you did deserve that Teacher of the Year award. I am not convinced that I'm a great teacher, but I am convinced of this. Your intellect and your professionalism is outstanding. I mean, as I as I even have heard you speak, and we've done this Zoom thing for a while, and we've done this podcast, and I'm just complete. I, I would. I would be nervous working for you as a boss, I think, because you're just, you're demanding, but yet you're so professional about it and just makes everybody uh, better on the team because of who you are. So your intellect, but your, your knowledge of Christ just speaks so loudly and it, it continues to speak to me. And one other thing I was going to say about, about you, which is actually a commendation of your parents. I was asked in, before we got married, Amber and I got married, to pick about five couples that we wanted to emulate. And your mom and dad were, were one of the couples that I, I chose. And we still keep in communication. We talk from time to time. Uh, not so much anymore. Uh, we used to see each other once a year at the Dells uh, for a teacher convention, and we hope that's restored. But, man, I'm telling you, your intellect and your professionalism and the way you handle Christ uh, really speaks volumes.
And then Matt, the one thing that always, always just consumes my thinking about you is that you have uh, something that I put in my own mind, my, my uh, theos, ethos, if you, if you will, is your total release. You give everything. And even if you're wrong, you're 100% in it. You, you just go the whole way. But when you picked Christ, or maybe I should say when Christ picked you, he knew that about you as well. And I have learned so much from watching you live in that. And you've lived, you, you've lived some, through some difficult things. And I know that. I, I know that life has not been you know, peachy and easy and you know, everything's gone, gone well. But the one thing that I, I, re, I, I take joy in is watching that fact that it doesn't matter what you, what you do, you're going to go all in and you're going to make everybody around you do the same thing. You guys all have been part of my salvation testimony. I think that's what makes it so emotional for me because God knew that a little kid from Phoenix, Arizona needed a bunch of kids from Minnesota to help shape him into being who he ought to be. And so in many respects, I'm a mere image of what you guys uh, inputted into my life. You know me, you know how ridiculous I was uh, when I first came to school, how just immature and some of the stupid things I would do or say, and many of those things I regret. But I do know this, that since God has rescued me and since he has used me and since I've acknowledged his spirit and his working in my life, I've been able to use all those experiences to, to point others to Christ. My verse that uh, I just want to share comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, 6, and 7. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. We often leave out verse 7. And verse seven to me is, is grown onto my life verse because it says this, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If I could, if I could not be wise in my own eyes, if I could fear the Lord and if I could turn away from evil, and if he allows me to trust in him, then I have every, every possibility to make an impact on somebody who is in the same place as I was lost or numb, no bearing on where true north is, but then because of the fact that there are faithful people, and you guys didn't even really know the impact you're going to have on me, but man, it's been terrific, and I am deeply debted to you, but I know it's because of the work Christ did in you. So I give God the glory, I give Christ the glory, but I want you guys to know that you are very, very, very much a part of awakening me spiritually. And so I'm forever grateful for that. So praise the Lord for his work and that his, uh, his truth might reign supreme. That's great, Jeremy. Thanks for that. That was a very special uh, fix your eyes. I think our, our love tanks are a little bit more filled up after that. But no, that was, that was really cool how you, you kind of articulated that. And certainly know, brother, that you are, you've had significant and same and similar impacts in our lives as well. So that's great. Well, that is a wrap on episode 15. Recorded November 8th, year of our Lord, 2020. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.